You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. To recap a little bit, and this is our last session at the park uh, for the season. And uh, we were here for four Sundays, including today. Today is our fourth Sunday. And our theme was the work of Christ, the work of Christ. So let me just, let me just do a bit of a recap. In our very first session, we talked about understanding our sinfulness, our depravity. And we talked about the fact that every single human being is, is born with a problem, with a brokenness, uh, with a virus, and we all have it. It is a depravity and a sinfulness that keeps us away from God. In our second session, we talked about how God injected grace into our depravity. To, and he brought us from death to life. Last week, Lucas talked about how, how it, specifically how God did that, how God injected grace into our depravity. Uh, and it was Christ on the cross, dying our death, dying and, and paying for the penalty of our sin. That's how he did it. And today we're going to talk about this new life that we have in Christ. Did you know that we have a new life in Christ? Did you know that it wasn't just uh, forgiveness, wasn't just the end of our life in Christ, but actually the beginning of it. And that's actually our first uh, main point, but we'll get there. Um, so as we get talking about this new life in Christ, let me just read the verse that Lucas touched on last Sunday, and this will be our our starting point for today. And it was, if you remember, it was Galatians 2.20. I want to remember that Lucas talked about, or at least one of the verses that he touched on, it was Galatians 2.20. And if you, if you have a Bible with you, open the Bible up to Galatians 2.20. We're going to be in Galatians, and we're going to be a little bit in Romans as well. But Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. There you have it. That's the new life. This points to a new life in Christ. And then the verse goes, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. But did you hear that verse? Did you hear what it says? That we were crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So there's a new life. Again, there's a new life that Jesus wants us to live. But the main point that, or the first main point that I want to make right now is not, is not this new life. It is uh, prior to that. And it goes like this. Forgiveness is just the beginning of life in Christ. Forgiveness is just the beginning of life in Christ. And I'm going to, we're going to have a few of these main points. I think it's easier for us to go home and actually have something, some handles uh, from today. So yeah, this is the first point. Forgiveness is just the beginning of, of, of life in Christ. Not sure if you, if you heard anyone say this, uh, Christians aren't perfect. Uh, they are just forgiven. Anyone heard that? Anyone seen any bumper stickers like that? Yeah. <laughs> so Christians aren't perfect. They are just forgiven. If you have that sticker on your car, can I ask you when you, when you go home, just rip that thing off of your car, please? <laughs> the problem with that statement is that it's, it's a statement of truth, sure. But it's a partial truth. It's a partial statement. 
I mean, is that it? Is that the whole story? Is that the complete story of the gospel that we're just forgiven? Is that it? How about this? How about this? Christians are not perfect, but they are being perfected by the Holy Spirit that comes in to take residence in their heart at salvation. How about that? Amen. Or we can say this way as well. Christians aren't perfect, but they inherit the Holy Spirit who leads their new life in Christ and who changes them to become more like Christ for the glory of God. How about that? Amen. That's the other part of the gospel. And this is the problem that I see so often. See, the purpose of our identifying in Christ's death with Christ's death is for our forgiveness. And that's awesome. And we should get that. But so many people just stay there. They just camp on that and that's it, right? No wonder our sin factory, we all have one in our hearts. No wonder our sin factory inside of our hearts is never dealt with. It just keeps producing sin, the same sin. And we keep confessing sin, the same sin, and we never make any progress. Well, I don't think Jesus died and rose again just so we're stuck in the same sinful rut our entire life. Do you? I don't think so. And that's why I'm not, take this with a grain of salt, that's why I'm not a big fan of crucifixes because they only focus on the death of Christ. That's not the entire gospel. In fact, your salvation and my salvation is incomplete without what? Without, without the resurrection. I mean, so many people are, hey, he died for my sins and we should celebrate that on a daily basis because he did die for our sins. And that's a great spot for an amen. I'll say that again. He died for our sins, amen. But we forget that he rose to live his life through you as well by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen here? Jesus rose to do something absolutely marvelous and supernatural in your life and in my life to lead us, to lead you, to lead me, to change you, to change me so that you would start to look more like Jesus Christ. So forgiveness is just the beginning of life in Christ. The second point that we want to make is this. Jesus wants to live his life through us by the power, by the person of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. Jesus wants to live his life through us by the person of the Holy Spirit. Now the question is, how does Jesus do that? How does he live his life through me? How does he live his life through you? And of course, the answer is Christ in us by the Holy Spirit. The, big, the biggest mistake that we can make, that you and I can make, is, not, is to not know who the Holy Spirit is. Like, what, what, what are we talking about here? Who, who is he? What is he? And many Christians treat him as if he were only an abstract power or, or a source of divine energy, and that's it. Kind of like an electric shock. He is not a force, although he is the greatest force in the universe. He is not a thing, but a person. He's not even like God because he is God. He is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. Church and friends, this is our God. We believe in one God 
in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So please don't make the mistake of thinking and believing that the Holy Spirit is some mystical power or abstract force. No, he is God, amen? He is God. And so Jesus wants to live his life through us by the person and through the person of the Holy Spirit. So for example, let me give you some examples how he does that. Again, it would be impossible to capture everything in 25 minutes, by the way, but we all know that, right? So for example, we believe that when we're alone in God's word, we're not really alone. The Holy Spirit is with us, amen? That when we pray, someone intercedes for us and prays for us with groanings too deep for words. That's why the Bible says that's the Holy Spirit. We believe that he empowers us when we sacrifice for the needs of others. That's the Holy Spirit. He empowers us and he helps us to live in a way that is not possible for the flesh. To love sacrificially and to be filled with joy and peace when everybody else is losing their mind. We believe that the Holy Spirit is a helper. Actually, that's one of his names, the helper. We believe that he comforts us and he teaches us and he changes us and he transforms us and he convicts us. We believe that if persecution comes and, and they drag us before rulers and authorities because of our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will give us in that moment, the Bible says, something to say. We believe that he gives us courage and conflict and joy and suffering and so much more on top of that list. Now, this is a very important point in this message. And if we get this wrong, we get absolutely everything else wrong. When we're saved, when we are saved, when we give our life to Jesus, when we repent of our sin, meaning we turn our back on our old life and we focus on Christ and accept the gift of forgiveness and trust Jesus and all that he's, he did for us on the cross, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes residence in our lives. That's what we believe. That's what the Bible says. In fact, he is the one that made salvation possible in the first place in our life. Did you know that? He convicted us of our sin and brokenness. He's the one that showed us, hey, you are depraved. Remember the first session? You are broken. You don't function right. He pointed us to Jesus. He made the gospel accessible to us. He is the one that opened the eyes uh, of our heart and the heart, you know, and the, and the eyes of, of, so that we understand the Bible, so that we understand the gospel. He is the one that did all of that and much more. And so at salvation, at conversion, if you may, he comes in and takes residence in your life. The Bible says, and this is so amazing, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? That you and I, we house in this, this God, we house God, the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. How amazing is that? And now we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's a place in the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, and you don't need to worry about that, that reference now, but and, and we find this in a few other passages in the Bible where it looks like God has decided and granted his children 
the ability to either restrict the work of the Holy Spirit, so restrict his work, or submit to his work. This is very important. And, and, and do you know how we can restrict or, or hinder his work in our life? Check this out. We can do that very easily when we're gripped by fear. That's how we restrict his work. We can do that very easily when we want control over our life. And we can do that very easily when our theology, our knowledge of God is flawed and bad. And that's a really sad reality when you think of it. The Holy Spirit came into our life to indwell us, to take residence in our life and to help us live this new life in Christ. And what do we do? We get in his way of accomplishing his will in our life. That's what we do. Talk about a horrible case of biting the hand that feeds you. This next analogy that I want to share with you helped me very much in understanding the Holy Spirit coming into our lives to take residence there. I want you to imagine that your life is like a house. When you're saved, like we said, the person of the Holy Spirit comes into your house and takes residence there. So at, at conversion, at conversion, at salvation, he comes in. But the problem is that we keep him in the hallway. We keep him by the door. And we don't really uh, let him have access to all of our rooms, to all, of, to all the closets, to all the rooms in our house. Because let's face it, we still like some of the sins in our life. We still want some of the control in our life. We still like fooling around. And that's why we still struggle friends, so much with sin, even after we're saved. And, and, and this, is so, this is so obvious. We struggle with our brokenness because we're not allowing him to fill us, to occupy our entire house, every closet, every crevice, every dark place in our house, and to clean it up and to help us become more and more like Christ. That's why we still struggle with addictions. That's why we still have a pattern of lying in our life because we restrict them from cleaning house. And that's why this point is so important. It just follows naturally. The exhausting Christian life, the exhausting Christian life. So our first point was forgiveness is just the beginning of life in Christ. And then Jesus wants to live his life through you, through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. But we live an exhausting Christian life. And this is the point that I'm making now, that we're making now. You know what's really sad? This is the life that most Christians live. I know you came to the part to get offended. That's fine. If the shoe fits, wear it. It's good. Conviction from the Holy Spirit is so good. I'm going to be very transparent with you. So many times in the past, I have been involved in different ministries and different churches before I even started applying this truth to my life, which is living a spirit-filled life, living a spirit-led life. Meaning, I'll say it in a different way, having your house fully occupied by the spirit, allowing the spirit to go into every room of your heart, every closet of the heart and occupy it. And I dare say that the way we live Christianity nowadays in our country, and it's kind of like this. This is kind of, this is, this, is, this is what we tell the Holy Spirit. This is my house, Holy Spirit. You don't get to change much because I still want control. Hmm. 
And the Holy Spirit is grieved. That's exactly the language that you'll see the Bible uh, addressing this issue. The Holy Spirit is grieved and saddened, standing by the door in the hallway because we still want what we want. We still want our sin. We still want our pleasure without realizing, check this out, without realizing that he holds the keys to the most amazing and freeing and victorious and joy-filled life we could possibly have. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Do you know that this exhausting and excruciating way to live the Christian life causes a lot of Christians, a lot of us to say, I'll still come to church. I'll still raise my hand at worship. I'll still sing a few songs, but I'm not engaged in my Christian life because I can't take the pain of trying and failing no more. It's exhausting. Forget it. That's not for me. I'm not going to get involved. I'm just going to watch everything from the outside. Another way of expressing this exhausting Christian life that you and I may even be living it right now in this season, is, it's, it's like this. To have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. To have the desire to do what is right, but not to have the ability to carry it out. Actually, Romans book in the Bible called Romans chapter 7 verse 18 expresses exactly this. Apostle Paul who wrote this book says about himself and check this out. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Can anyone relate? <laughs> that is, he says, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. It's not within us. What we can give is depravity and sin. That's what we can give. So this is such an exhausting way to live. And not only that, but it's a knife in the heart of Jesus who not only died for our forgiveness, but rose to live his life through us. Church, this is the reality. It is not God's desire that you would still be addicted to some pills or Netflix or food or whatever it is. It's not God's desire that you would still struggle with anger. It's not God's desire that you would be uh, controlled by fear, stress, and anxiety. That's not his desire. That's not his plan. And that you still struggle to lead your family as a husband well. And this leads us to our next point. So the exhausting Christian life and now the exchanged life or the spirit-filled life, the exchanged life. Did you know that God made no provision for you to live the Christian life? It's like, What? <laughs> What do you mean by that? You're not supposed to go and be a Christian. Hey, you're saved, you're forgiven. Now go and be a Christian. See you later. We'll see you in a year and we'll see how you do, you know? No, no, no. That's not the main thing. And of course, there's responsibility. Of course, there's volition. There are, you know, choices and participation. Sure. But the power, everyone say power. Power. The power in the Christian life is not you. The power for the Christian life is Christ and you, the hope of glory through the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's just, it's Jesus Christ risen from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit living his life through us. It's not me being more loving. It's not you mustering up patience when you're with your kids and you just can't take it anymore. You're about to fly off the handle. It's not you white knuckling it. It's actually you cooperating with Jesus Christ's desire to love people through you, even your enemies. 
something that you can never do on your own. So it's more about resignation. It's more about surrender first and foremost than it is about volition or a conscious act of choosing on your part or my part. The first thing, the primary thing, the main thing, the best thing is Christ in you through the Holy Spirit. That's the Christian life. Let me, let me show it to you in Romans chapter 7. Just so you don't think that I'm kind of making this stuff up. No, our Bible is our highest, highest authority. Nothing and no one supersedes that. You can actually hear Apostle Paul in his desperation. There's a desperation in chapter 7. Now, uh, if we read verses 19 to 24, so Romans 7, 19 to 24, I'm not going to read it now, but you can read it at home. I'm just going to summarize it now because it's very easy to summarize. We can easily summarize it like this. You know what Apostle Paul says? I'm broken. I'm broken. I don't function right. That's what he says. Even in my saved condition, my fallenness, my depravity is still there. Wow. And then he says, you know what he says? Wretched man, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Have you ever felt that? Anyone here? <laughs> am, I, am I speaking to anyone here? Am I the only one? What's it gonna, has anyone said this? What's it gonna take from me, God? What's gonna turn the corner from me, God, in my Christian walk? You can't have risen from the dead Jesus for me to just languish here in defeat, discouragement, fear, and despair. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who? But I love what Apostle Paul says in verse 25, because we got to keep on reading, right? We love verse by verse, so we got to keep on reading. Verse 25, and this is the answer. He says, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And this is like a, an exclamation of discovery. Look at what I've discovered. God, I want to share it with you. The real provision, he says, is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Five words. That's the Christian walk. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We could literally sit here the whole day and go through passages in the Bible that shows this truth. How do we miss it? How have we missed it? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, he will do it. Do you believe that he will do it? That's his work in our life. I can't do it in my life. He can't do it in your own life. He will do it. And all we need to know, all we need to do, you know what? You know what we're supposed to do? Is to make sure that we don't get in his way. What does that look like? It's a moment by moment, a day by day total resignation of the mind, emotions, and will to Jesus Christ in me. That's what it is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the exchanged life where Jesus lives through you. This is the spirit-filled life where Jesus takes shape in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he is the one that does it through you. So have you been running on fumes? Anyone here? Are you tired? Do you want to live the exchange life where Jesus lives in you through the Holy Spirit? Do you want the Holy Spirit's help? Anyone here? Do you want to be led by the Holy Spirit? I do. 
I really do. In the next few minutes, and I want to camp on four verses in the book of Romans, and that's how I want to end our talk. So four verses, and I'm ending the talk. Four verses, Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. Romans 8, 14 to 17. This is a wealth of, of, of life right here in these four verses. Check this out. If you don't have a Bible, just, I don't know, close your eyes and just hear Hear the word of God as I'm, as I'm reading this over us. But check how powerful this is. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Do you hear that? The spirit you received does not make you what? Slaves. So that you live in what? In fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about what? Your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is what I want to do for the next five minutes as we're ending. I want to encourage us by looking at two amazing things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, that he works in the life of a believer. These are, if you may, gifts that the spirit gives, unlike the world gives, by the way. The world tries to mimic, but it falls short every single time. These are mind-blowing things that the spirit works in our lives. Here we go. And the first thing that I want to point to us this morning is this. There's a deep confidence. There's a deep confidence in the fact that we are adopted by God and his family through the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit builds and creates in us a deep confidence. Confidence in our adoption. that We just read it, verse 15, right? I'll, I'll, I'll read it again. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Not in fear, but in confidence, right? Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Listen to this, friends. One of the truest indications of living in the flesh, not in the spirit, in the flesh, or of you controlling your own life is fear. One of the truest indications that you're not living led by the spirit, but, but, but by, led by, the, by your flesh is that you're gripped by fear. What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to our family? What's going to happen to my son? Is he going to come back? What's going to happen in my marriage? You know, what are we going to do financially? I'm so filled with fear. That's flesh. That's flesh living. This life of, of, of in fear is the life that I lived before I met Christ. This is the life that we all lived before we met Christ. But now in Christ, I don't necessarily know what's going to happen in my life. Sure. But if he's for me, who can be against me? If Jesus provides for the birds of the air, why are we so concerned about this life? We are made in the image and likeness of God. And if we're in, in Christ, we are sons and daughters of the most high God. Don't you think he'll take care of us? He will surely provide for what we need in every arena of life. And so when the spirit of God takes residence in our life, in the life of a believer, Paul is telling us you did not receive a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. How awesome is that? So the Holy Spirit creates and builds this deep confidence 
that we're now adopted in God's family and we should not live in fear anymore. Did you hear that? This is a work that he wants to do in your heart and in my heart. That, that we would not live in fear because we're sons. And if we're sons and daughters, who cares? We know how the story finishes. We know where we're going. We know we're his. Isn't that amazing? The second, the other amazing thing that the spirit wants to work in our life is this, is a security in our identity, new identity as a child of God. So, so first, a, um, well, we even forgot already, a confidence, a deep confidence, and then now a, a deep and an unmovable security in our new identity as a child of God. Let me just read again, verse 16 and 17. That's what we're getting it from. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. The Holy Spirit, friends, is constantly reminding us and riveting this message in our hearts that, that we are his. And there's a security in that, that we are his children. That we are his, that we are his children. You get security in God's family. That's what we get. Something that the world cannot conjure up, that, that, that cannot provide, not the way God does. And maybe there are people here today that doubt their salvation. Friend, do you know that that's the job of the Holy Spirit to confirm that you're in God's family? That you are a son, that you are a daughter, if you really are. And you can be fully assured of that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, to assure you of that. Let me explain what can happen a lot of times in our life. What happens when you grieve and quench the Holy Spirit, and we talked about, we actually used, uh, what happens when you restrict him and his work in our life? On a good day, when you're walking with the Lord, he's like, you're mine, over you're mine, you're mine, and I can hear him loud and clear. But you sin a little bit, and you don't deal with it at the foot of the cross, and you're kind of like, nah, it's okay, I'll deal with it later. He's like, you're mine, you're mine. A little less loud and clear. And then you add some more sins on top of that and you don't confess that at the foot of the cross and you just kind of rebel against God. He's like, you're mine, you're mine. A lot less clear and now you can barely hear him. You send some more on top of that and not deal with it still. And he's like, you're mine, you're mine. You can barely hear him anymore. What happened? And then some more time passes and you don't deal with it with all that rebellion and sin. And guess what? I wonder if I'm a Christian. I wonder if I'm saved. I don't know what happened the last two years, but I, I wonder, am I still a child of God? Am I, am I loved? It was the Spirit's job to confirm that for you, but you kept the Holy Spirit at a distance and now you feel lost and alone and just don't know anymore if you're saved. No security whatsoever anymore. But what the Holy Spirit wants to work in us, church, is a deep an unmovable sense of security and assurance that no matter what happens, listen, that no matter what happens, that no matter how bad the season and life is, you know you are his and you know how the story finishes. The Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us of this message and he brings this message about in our hearts, right? How amazing is that? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, in closing, this begs the question. I'm sure you're thinking about it right now. How can I be filled by the Spirit? How can I live a Spirit-filled life? Is there, is there a formula? What? Well, not really. <laughs> like I said, this is the work 
of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's, it's, it's not you pressing a button and then all of this comes up in your life. No. But you may be asking this question because you may be saying, man, I'm tired of being exhausted. And I'm tired of, of doing it on my own. I want this confidence and I want this assurance and security. Listen to what I'm about to say. God is not reluctant to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He's not. He can't wait to do it. He can't wait to work this through the person of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives. He's not reluctant to occupy every room in your heart. Isn't that awesome? This is actually his desire. This is what he wants. This is his will. So when we pray things that are according to his will, what? Let's have confidence in asking. Amen? But the first thing that we need to do is this, because I, I want to get, I like to get practical. And the first thing that I would recommend for all of us to do is this. The first thing, confess all known sin. There's a way where sin just separates us from God and it's got that ability to separate us from God. So just confess all known sin to God. Confess all known sin. If, if we, the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to what? To forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just confess any known sin. I think it's a, it's a pretty good first step, don't you? Number two, ask. How about we ask? How about we confess all known sin in our life and then how about we just ask? Luke chapter 11 says that God knows how to give good gifts to his children. How much more will he not give his spirit to the ones that ask? So just ask. When was the last time you asked this? Lord, just fill my life with the Holy Spirit. I want to be, be spirit filled. I want to live a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. When's the last time that you prayed this? So just ask. And I would challenge you right now, if you, if you want, you can just open your hands in your lap as you're sitting right now. Who cares if there's people around you? It's like an expression of faith to receive. It's so good when our posture, our physical posture reflects what's in the soul, isn't it? And just say, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, come and fill me now. You're here? Come and fill this vessel. Drive out the darkness and the doubt in me. Drive out the fear in me. Only you can do that. And, and, and Lord, as best as I know how, Lord, I'm yielding myself to you. I'm submitting myself to you. So confess all known sin, and you can do it now. And ask, and you can do it now. And the third thing is believe. Believe. Then believe that you have been heard. We know that we have a father that hears our prayers because of Jesus Christ, because of what he has done at the cross for us. Just believe. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, whatever you ask in faith, believe that you have received and you'll be done for you. By the way, that's not a blanket statement. We can't just ask anything we want. No, asking within God's will. And we just said that this being filled by the Holy Spirit is within God's will. This is what he wants. Say, thank you, Lord. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Spirit of God, for coming and filling me now. Thank you that I'm not in the driver's seat anymore. Thank you. God, forgive me for my insensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit, empowering the Christian life moment by moment. You know what's awesome? You know what I want to challenge you to? This confessing 
known sin and this asking and this believing, why don't we do this on a daily basis? Because we get emptied out living this life on planet earth. We get emptied out and we restrict the Holy Spirit's work in our life. We say, no, 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 not here. Not this season, Holy Spirit. I got this. So let's pray this prayer. And I challenge us to pray this prayer on a daily basis. Within those four verses that I just, I just read in Romans 8, it says another amazing thing that the, whole, the Holy Spirit works in our life is, I don't know if you caught that, is that he makes us cry out, Abba, Father. It points to an intimacy with the Father that the Holy Spirit brings about and he wants to bring about in our life on a daily basis. And that's why I'm asking and I'm challenging you, let's do this on a daily basis. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that, that, is, that, is, that is helping us and drawing us close to the Father. And we can actually say, Abba, I need you. I can't do this on my own. So would you confess your sin when you fall tomorrow? And would you ask God, God, fill me. I want to live a spirit-filled life. I don't want to be on the driver's seat. I want to follow you. And just believe that what you ask, you will receive because this is a good thing. This is what God wants. This is his desire. And if anyone here, and I know that the gospel was very, and this is part of the gospel, by the way, but the cross of Jesus was, we, we were heavy on that the first three sessions of our park services. We didn't talk much about that, but listen, if you're new to Christianity and if you want to give your life to Jesus, this is like the first step for you. That would be so awesome. We, we have a baptism next Sunday. Wouldn't it be awesome that we would celebrate it with you as well? We have a few people that want to get baptized and how awesome is that? So if you do want to, if that's you, if you want to repent and trust Jesus and, and receive this amazing gift because he's got a new life for you and the gift of forgiveness, come and talk to me. Talk to Lucas, to Raz, and we'll pray with you. We'll celebrate with you. Would you stand with, with me? I want to pray over us as we uh, are ending. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.